0: Welcome to Cardscast, a football podcast all about Woking Football Club. Through this podcast, you'll hear roundtable discussions, match previews and reviews, interviews as well as us sharing our favourite memories of players, matches and seasons from the past. My name is Glenn Harrington and I'm joined as ever by Jacob Greenwood to talk all about the latest goings on at the club. Before we get into it, remember to like, share and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcast from. So Jacob, we recorded our last episode just before the FA Trophy quarterfinal with Torquay United. We both predicted a win, as did our guest that night, Nick Shaw, and the boys delivered. What did you make of it?
1: Yeah, what, a, what an exciting game. It was uh, a really, really, really good game, really interesting and uh, certainly had my heart in my mouth at the end when uh, we thought Torquay had, had equalised, but uh, alas, they the, the flag went up, which was good. Uh, but it was, no, it was a really good game, really lively game and it was just good to see us. I mean, it wasn't long ago we were all talking about, you know, games with no chances in them. We weren't scoring goals. We looked low on confidence, all of these things. So it was just really nice to see a, a game of football you know, end to end. Of course, it was brilliant to see us win, but you know, just to see a really entertaining game was uh, was brilliant. Um, and yeah, to, cu- to come away with a victory was uh, was great. And uh, the winning goal was uh, was a good was a good one as well, I think. Which is always nice to which is always nice to see. So uh, yeah, it kind of felt like, uh, as we said, I think before the game. There was talk of players getting put on furlough if if we didn't win that game. So it kind of felt like if we had have lost that, it, it almost would have felt like kind of the end of the season, or that we would just be moving on to a you know an end of season friendly period where we'd be playing with a team that wasn't our first team, and it all would be a bit strange for the next few months. So it's good to, good to prolong the season, and uh, yeah, one win away from Wembley, aren't we? So that's always exciting.
0: Yes, very much. Uh, I guess it was a bit of a, a strange game in some ways, wasn't it? Because, you know, Torquay came to us as the league leaders on paper, but that didn't really tell the whole story. They were missing a number of players, either through um, through injury or, uh, you know, just not being available. Um, Cup tied, I think they, they had a couple of players as well. Um, and it was a team also that I think was, you know, pretty, pretty badly out of form. Um, but I guess that's the sort of banana skin that you know we would normally have slipped up on, and, and obviously the long-standing rivalry with Torquay—they've had a couple of uh, you know big moments in in their recent history at our expense over the last couple of years. So nice to see us, I guess, get get one back, um, even if you know the fortunes definitely favoured us on the day, as you say, with that last the last minute offside um, chance as well.
1: Yeah, just, just, it's worth remembering that, isn't it? When decisions don't go our way, I think, and and that, yeah, that was. I know we'll come to talk about the uh, the game against King King Lingham as well, but where the the one where you know did we score? Didn't we score? Was the ball over the line? And obviously we didn't get it in that game, but you know we did get the offside called against uh, Torquay. and um, yeah, obviously that you know both games went went in our favour, which was which was brilliant, really. So yeah, we have done, and I think actually one of the things that that has impressed me i think in in down's time the club is is managing to get you know teams up for individual games and and that's why i think we you know we've been quite good in the cups um and this season obviously it's the trophy and I always feel kind of confident going into those, you know, big, bigger games. I, I just think the the one weird anon- anomaly of that is that we just still can't do it against Aldi Shot. I know we beat them in the FA Cup, but, um, you know, every other big game seems to be that we always turn up now. Um, mm. You know, even if you look at that Torquay game from the promotion season where, you know, it was 3-3. But, you know, they were runaway leaders. We were second and we were a little bit behind. But it was still a good game. And like we were really in it where I feel, you know, woke in teams of the past. You know, every time there was a big crowd at Kingfield, it just felt like. We just turned up, didn't do anything, and lost. And then it was just like, oh, that was a bit of an anti-climax. Whereas, mm. yeah, I think that's why it was good to get talky in the in the uh, the the quarterfinals as, as well. Because you look at Aldershot, Um, you know, I know we always talk about them on this podcast, but how can't you when obviously they went out of the the trophy to the team that we're going to play in the semi-finals? And you know, you look at it from their point of view. You know, they had a few wins in the league. They were probably thinking, oh, we're on a good run. We're playing Hereford. Their season's been ended. They're in the league below. Like we're at home. And then all of a sudden they're one nil behind within the you know in the, within the first ten minutes, uh, and then it sounds like you know talk, uh, sorry Hereford just defended really well. Uh, obviously they got the late equaliser, but they went out, and I think you know that could easily have been us. Not saying that we would have underestimated them, but I do just think that's the how, how teams approach games sometimes. So if you've got a big team, the league leaders come in, even if they've got a few players out. I think it you know mm. it, it does get the players up for it, which hopefully you know Beers were in the semi-finals as well.
0: I was going to say it's a you know it's an interesting point you make there and one I, I think I definitely agree with you look back at you know the Conference South um, final in particular stands out against Welling where I just I I don't think at any any point in that game I was ever particularly worried it, it you know we got the goal and and it, it always felt like we were going to see it out um, and you look back at um, you know the. The FA Cup run that season, um, you know, to a lesser extent this year as well, beating Aldershot and running Gillingham close. You, you're right that Dallas does seem to have a a bit of a gift when it comes to those big games and getting his team fired up and getting his, his team selection right on the day. Interesting then that, you know, having said what you just said about Hereford, that they are our opponents for the semi-final. We've obviously had a challenging run to reach this point in the competition. You know, Beating Bromley away, Sutton away, um, and then Torquay as well—all games that, you know, I think traditionally we would have we would have seen as 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 difficult. Certainly, you know, the two sort of 4G pitches grounds that we've we've traditionally struggled at. Um, so, you know, arguably with the exception of Dover, this is going to be the first game that we'll go into as. As heavy, heavy favourites, and and you know, Hereford's task is only going to have got harder by the fact, presumably, that you know they're not they're not going to have played um, since the Aldershot game, or certainly not competitively. Um, and the emphasis will be on us to go and you know get the result that's expected. And, and it doesn't feel like that always. You know, I don't want to be pessimistic, but that doesn't doesn't feel like it always plays into our wheelhouse when we go into games in that situation.
1: No pr- probably not. I can certainly see why you'd say that, and uh you know that was typified by I think you know the Torquay game where you come at the, you know the high of that, and then we we go and put in that performance against Ultrinham like a few days later, you know and it, you know you are the favorites in that game because they're down to ten men and you've got over half a game, and all of a sudden it's just like that's almost the worst position for us to be in because <laughs> it's like, oh, Woking should win now, and it's like oh my God like well we can't deal with that so we'll just lose Um, and it's you know it is difficult but I think that's why it's important playing them in in the semi-finals because I think if you play them in the quarter-finals you still don't feel that close to Wembley and I think that's the big carrot that I think you know if you've the players are really focused on that, I think. And whoever you're playing, I think that they'll that, be up for it, which is which is good, whereas I feel, yeah, the the round before, I think you're probably just a step removed, aren't you, from thinking we literally just have to win this game and we're through. And if we do go, you know, that game, it'd be disappointing for the fans, won't it, if we lose that semi-final. But you know, imagine how that is for the players to actually play at Wembley. I mean, most of our squad will never do that. Um, you know, unless unless we get there this season, so you have got to look at it and say, what a massive letdown that would be for them if they somehow, you know, weren't up for it on the day. Because you, you would think with the, you know, when you look at individual players, you know, and the battles, you know, we, we are stronger than them. That's why these players are playing in, you know, the the national league, and and the Hereford players aren't, you know, and, and that's you know, there will be some players that probably could from the Hereford team and vice versa, but you know. It, you know, we are the level above. So if we turn up on the day, we'll, we'll win that game. Um, it, it won't be easy, I'm sure, but but we will because we'll have the quality. So hopefully, you know, all the players can take that opportunity because it'd be a, a massive letdown. And, and maybe even actually even more so for the players, because if it is behind closed doors, you know, fans won't even be able to go. So I'm not saying that will soften the blow if, you know, we get knocked out. But, um, you know, if we have to sit at home and watch a stream of us at Wembley, you know, on our own, and you, know, you can't go anywhere, you can't do anything. You know, it's, it's a little bit like when we played at Upton Park. Again, it was just like, it's fine, but it's it's not it's not a day out at Wembley, is it really? So, but you know, the players will still get to play there, whatever happens. Um, so, yeah, it would it'd be a real letdown for them. So, hopefully, they can they can really use that, and I'm sure they'll be absolutely chomping at the bit to to win the game, which is brilliant.
0: And uh, without wishing to get too far ahead of ourselves, a word about the other semi-final, uh, Notts County and Hornchurch, I believe. Uh, interesting game, you know, Hornchurch, I think, done obviously remarkably well to get this far. I think they've knocked out certainly a couple of um, National League or, or National League North and South teams along the way. Um, but I, I imagine you'd expect to be playing Notts County at Wembley if we were to reach that, that stage.
1: Yeah, exactly. You would do. Uh, I can't see anything other than that, but just because of the gap as well. Like it is a, it is a big gap between those two teams, especially with, you know, the, the squad that Notts County have. It's almost like a League Two team, isn't it? So, um, you know, again, you look at that and think, well, that would be difficult. But that's but in a sense, that's why I was glad we didn't get Notts County because they could easily have turned up at Kingfield and thrashed us or we could have gone away to them and, and lost or could have been a tight game. You, you never know. But you just feel, you know, if they'd have beaten us at that stage and then they'd have just gone on to, you know, the final would have almost maybe felt like a formality for them. Um, that would have been really disappointing. So I guess, you know, if we do get past Hereford, at least we'll have the final to, to look forward to. I mean, it's not often you see Woking play at Wembley, especially the new Wembley. Um, and for, you know, younger fans, I know a lot of the, the fans will reminisce about, you know, days in the 90s. Well, <laughs> <laughs> without sounding uh, too harsh that was a long time ago now um, and there's probably a, a, a fair percentage of the uh, the fan base that don't remember that and, and don't remember those days um, you know the trophy days or the FA Cup days or the really glory years so it'd be good to have uh, you know something for the younger fans as well to you know look back on and say oh, I actually do remember Woken playing at Wembley um, which you know I think anyone probably under the age of thirty, probably wouldn't now, and that's uh, that number is always rising. So, uh, so yeah, it's uh, it, it'll be it'll be good to have that. Be, it it would be brilliant, and hopefully, as we said before, it maybe it could be a test event. But you know, I, you just have to hope the F, the, the FA would, would would push for fans. It just seems, you know, yeah, it just seems when it when's the Do you know when the, the the what not the actual specific date of the final, but it but is it kind of late April or is it when are they looking at having it?
0: I don't know, actually. It's an interesting one because you, traditionally it would be after the end of, not only the end of the season, but after the end of the playoffs as well, I believe. Um, it's usually the kind of the the, the season ender for, for non-league football. But I guess if that were to be the case again, you'd be potentially looking at June, which seems unlikely. So I, I honestly, I don't know when they're, they're planning to kind of squeeze it mm-hmm. in. And obviously the other captain, yeah, is that they have still technically got last year's final to play as well?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the ambition is um to do that. I, I don't, don't believe
0: know. they've announced the the dates. So I think they're kind of doing it round by round, aren't they? Um, I can see you're googling as we yeah,
1: I, I I I I can't I can't find it anywhere. But I was just thinking yeah, about that because I know that they're doing something similar for one of the other. Uh, trophies, aren't they? With the is it the football league thing yeah, where they're playing they, um, one final
0: and then yeah, they're doing it on two consecutive days, aren't they? Which, uh, but obviously we have the added difficulty of you know Concord are, are supposed to be in last year's final, but again I think you know a lot of their players will be furloughed and things, and and obviously it's a very different squad to to the team now that reached that final, so. Obviously, you know, very incredibly harsh on them if they they don't get their their day out at Wembley at some point. But obviously, them as well, the team that they're supposed to be playing is a football league team now, which is make, makes the task even more challenging. So it'll be interesting to see how they they work it all out. But as you say, hopefully, um, from a selfish point of view, we 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 get to the final, and um, you know, maybe maybe even we can get a few fans at Wembley as well to to cheer on the team
1: if not we can probably uh leverage this podcast to some kind of official media outlet i mean the media zone is big there so we can we, we can try and storm it i don't know they might not believe us that we actually go to games and cover the thing but uh you never know. We might be able to trick them and force well, our
0: way in. Offer our services as uh, guest commentators or something. That would be something to put on the CV. <laughs> that we, that we would with,
1: be better uh... than some of the away stream commentaries. We're a nice
0: podcast. Let's not, let's not get into bashing <laughs> opposition uh, commentator teams. We, we know we know who they are. It's fine. They probably say the same about us. Um, right. From, from FA Trophy, positivity to results in the league. Um, four points from three games, uh, a, a decent return. And I think, you know, looking a lot more positive from from kind of where we were, say, at the end of January.
1: Yeah, the Ultradam game aside, there's been some really good performances as well, which has been good to see. It's quite funny, really, because I think when you look at the table and no doubt when the opposition look at the table, they think we are kind of really scrapping around at the bottom. But it's it's quite funny now because we've we kind of just probably got our, best team ready and out there you know no injuries no suspensions we got a couple of lone players in obviously as well and it kind of now feels like we're you know we're we're at a really strong point so um, you know I think the the performances have definitely reflected that Um, so yeah it's, it's quite good actually that I think that uh we kind of feel like we're moving forwards with it again which is good and also the games didn't feel like dead rubbers which arguably they could be now um you know now that there's probably not going to be relegation so um so yeah that 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 was good um but obviously yeah i think what was interesting is even though there was no relegation the kind of deflation after the ultranium game was was massive and it was just like oh like it was so frustrating that game um so obviously, the the best way to bounce back was the the Kings Lynn victory, which was uh which was brilliant. You know, still a strong team, and to to see a few goals as well was was great. And then, uh yeah, the the Boer and Wood game frustrating as well because we we couldn't win it, but an interesting game. Um and yeah, I think we we had some really good chances. It was frustrating not to to take some of those, but um yeah, I think we can be really happy with the performances, which is I think is a big thing because from what the end of December to. I don't know what the end of January. The performances were just non-existent, and we were just, you know, we weren't creating anything, and the games were just really kind of difficult to watch. Um, You know, the difference between two. I think as you, um,
0: I was going to say, as you said, we, you know, we were chatting just before we started the podcast, and I think you described the the difference between that Boram Wood result on Tuesday night um, against, you know, maybe the the Eastleigh or the Maidenhead game either side of Christmas, and you described Mm. that as night and day.
1: Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's it, that, those games. There were hardly chances, were there? And then last night, it was, it wasn't end to end, but it was. You know, there was four or five chances. So you just like, this is. That's what makes it more frustrating, in a sense, as well, because you're like,
0: yeah, you're, you're I, I, I appreciate that, but I think you know that's as fans, realistically, that's all we can ask for. Because what you know, what you want to see is is effort and entertainment. Uh, and if the team are giving them that, then you could, you know, you can forgive them you know a a couple of drop points or you know a a defeat even here and there you know it's going to happen these are you know semi-professional footballers for the most part playing in the fifth tier of English football they aren't going to be ultra consistent winning every single game and I don't think anyone expects that but what we want is, is a performance that we we can enjoy watching and you know we can see that The team are really putting their all into it and giving it a go, and I think you know, particularly in in that sort of December January period, it felt like you know we were turning up for a nil nil, and and if we conceded, then that that was it. The game was a write off.
1: Yeah, exactly, and and it is um, it is entertainment as well, isn't it? I think a lot of people forget that sometimes when it comes to football because you know you don't really care like if it's boring and your team wins, like it doesn't really matter. But you know, and I think, but I think that is important, you know, for our enjoyment, but also like if the the club are charging twelve pounds for for streams and stuff. Obviously, we make the money from the home streams. You know, if, if they're turgid nil-nil draws, like you're gonna you're gonna lose a substantial revenue stream there because people are like, this is boring. I don't want to watch it. So again, I think from that point of view, it's it's just good to see because it, it is entertainment, and if people are entertained by it, um, which they you know, there's not many things in lockdown which can, can keep your attention. But, um, you know, it's, but it's also competing with so much Premier League football and Champions League and stuff like that that, you know, it is difficult and, and there are many options out there. So, again, that's just one of the really important points because the way the funding seems to have worked out is that we just haven't really been given any for the second half of the season. So it'd be good to have people still signing up and walking away happy from the uh, recent streams.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and a couple of other positives that I I picked out. I thought the you know word about the the, the back four and the goalkeeper. You know, since that that disaster um, against Stockport, um, seven games, five clean sheets, only three conceded, um, and that's all without Josh Casey as well. You know, a player that for the best part of, of two and a half years we've we've not really been able to do without uh, on the, the rare occasions that he's he's not been able to play. So I think, you know, a lot of credit to that reformed back four. And I think, as we said last time, obviously great to see um, Goering and Diara to, together again, that, you know, they've, they've been a hugely successful partnership for us. Um, you know, credit to, to Jack Cook, who I thought, you know, for what it's worth, had a was having a very good season at centre back and has, has kind of had to readjust to playing right back again. Uh, I'd be interested to know how he feels about that. But you know, fair play to him. He's he's done a job. And and Kieran Lofthouse as well, who's now played Right wing, right back, and now left back, um, but still seems to turn in sort of seven out of ten performances, kind of regardless of, of where he's asked to play. So, and 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 then obviously Craig Ross, who you know missed a consistent in goal. Um, and those those five deserve a lot of credit, I thought.
1: Yeah it's, yeah, it's a real asset for us at the moment, I think, isn't it? And it's uh, yeah, it's good to see that. I think the the Gearing uh, Diarra partnership is is a really really nice one to see. They work so well in tandem, and obviously for all the positives they give us at the back, they also give us a lot going forwards as well. Uh, you know, from set pieces and and, and those kind of things. So yeah, that's that's been really good to see. We I mean we do like last night's game, we we just looked we didn't really look that fussed at the back. We didn't really look like conceding. We did actually early on against Kings Lynn, but I think as soon as, as we sorted that out, you know, again we looked there wasn't, you know, loads of last ditch tackles or, you know, Ross wasn't having to make loads of you know saves which were incredible to keep us in the game we weren't really giving away that many opportunities so that's good and yeah as you say I guess the thing that just highlights it all is the fact that Casey is is now looks like he's kind of back to some form of fitness and he's he's just not he's just not, not getting into that defense which says a lot about how well they've been doing I guess uh,
0: and I think worth pointing out as well that that was a bore wood team with you know go Shamanga up front with Corey Whitley, Kieran Myrta, uh, Ty- Tyrone Marsh. It, it, it's a good team, and the fact that you know they were they were holding out for a point shows kind of you know how far we've come in quite a short space of time because we were really did feel like we'd hit a bit of an all time low. Certainly under um, in 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 Dowse's time at the club after that Stockport result, where it really did feel like you know where's the next point going to come from?
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that's where it's good to build from the back when you get into those situations. And we did say that. I can't remember after what game earlier in the season. We were like, I think it was just before the Sutton victory in the in the trophy and it was like just go back to basics and if we can keep a clean sheet we only need one goal um, <laughs> you know and actually in that game uh, it was through an overhead kick so yeah you never know what's <laughs> going to happen but yeah you've got to have that clean sheet I think because otherwise you know you've got to go out there and score two, three, four goals or whatever in a game just to to get a point or three so that's been that's been good and uh, yeah that that was it was nice actually it's kind of strange isn't it because at the start of the season we didn't have Garing or Diar at centre-back and now you know, we're back to what we had last season after kind of a weird period where Diara had left the club and Guerin was was injured and then out on loan. And obviously then he missed the Christmas period because of a suspension. And, you know, there were all of these factors, but it kind of feels nice now to be back to some kind of normality. And I know we'll look at this later, but as well, looking forward to, to next season, it's, it's you know, it's nice to to have players like Musa, I think, already signed up because he just looks... He just looks so good um, that I'd be worried if his contract ran out at the end of the season that, again, someone might come in and poach him um, that isn't even in the Mm. National League South. Someone in the the National League, I think, would happily have him because, you know, in the air, he's brilliant, commands the back four. But also, like, when he has the ball at his feet, he just goes on these runs and it's just... (laughs) I, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. I, I don't know yeah, if it's you true. don't
0: expect it. Do you? You, you look at no. him and go, yeah. He's a he's a lump it, clear it, head it, kick it anywhere. Centre half, but actually, he, he can play a bit as well. Got he?
1: Yeah, it's crazy. And I, I don't know if the defenders think the same. They kind of see his kind of long legs and they're like a little bit like, you yeah, know, this guy's like, he's just going to clear it. And then all of a sudden, he, you know, he kind of goes on a run. And it's similar actually to, uh, well, I don't know if it actually is tactically, but um, when England at the, the World Cup in 2018, it's the first time I kind of seen this break the lines philosophy where Harry Maguire would just sprint forward with the ball and end up in loads of space because you end up between the two lines of the other team. Um, I, I don't think ours is that tactical, but it was just quite an interesting um, thing where they end up in loads of space and it's this weird marauding centre-back going forwards and it's a weird thing. But no, he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's been really, really good there. So uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's brilliant, brilliant to have him back really, I think.
0: Speaking as a part-time Liverpool fan, I know who I'd rather have out of Harry Maguire and Moussa Diara and it's uh, not the one that plays for Manchester United.
1: <laughs> I think Liverpool have any centre-backs at the moment no? a... <laughs>
0: yeah he probably could do better than some of the kids we've got now at the moment but there you go um, the other person I think you know, we have to talk about on this podcast is Jamal Ozer. Um feels like a real return to form for him over the last you know few weeks with the obviously the goal against uh, Barnett against Torquay and then a, a great performance against his, his former club Kingsland as well which I, I got the sense he was he was rather pleased with that one
1: yeah, I mean how many yeah. times has that happened to us where an ex player has come back and scored against us? Like it happens so often. So Well,
0: I mean um, he did it to us, didn't he, earlier yeah, in the season. Exactly.
1: So. <laughs> and so for us to then get that, you know, in the in the opposite direction is uh yeah, is is nice to say the least. But he's he's been brilliant, really exciting player to watch, isn't he? So it's uh it's you know, it's 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 been great. Um and he's another one that I think that you really look forward to, you know, having signed on for for next season as well. Um, because again he's he's gonna be a key player saw an interview briefly earlier today about him saying how happy he is at the moment and you know he's playing his best football and you know again credit has to go to the management team and, and the other players I guess in the team that are allowing him to do that. Um, you know, because I'm sure it's by no coincidence that every time he comes to Woken or comes back to Woken, he seems to find good form. I know he's gone through patches and stuff like that. But you know, when he finds that form, which he does with us, and he actually doesn't at other clubs and that's why I think he kind of moved around quite a bit. Um, you know he, he is a brilliant player but you know there's things as well like last night you know he had some really good opportunities and, and as you say like you, you want us to be creating those opportunities and you, you, know, you can't be too harsh but the, the reality is if he scored those opportunities he probably wouldn't be playing in the conference he'd be playing in the football league so you kind of well, got to say uh, yeah it. he's a
0: he's a real interesting player isn't he because like you say his, his 4 form swear has been patchy I, I think I've described him in, in the past as a streaky player because you know if he If he has one good game, he's likely to have two or three in a row. But equally, if he has a bad game, again he's likely to have two or three in a row. Um, And you know, we saw that when we first brought him back, didn't we, earlier in the season, where he had a bit of a slow start. Then I think he missed a couple of games through injury, and and I think there was you know a few murmurings of discontent, going, you know, you know, why have we given this guy an eighteen month contract? You know, he's no he's no real improvement on on what we already had. But actually, what we've seen over the last you know month, say, is that when Jamal Loser is fit and firing, then he's more than good enough for this level, if not better than that.
1: Pace makes a big difference as well, doesn't it? Because I know there's a look. We said this a lot earlier in the season, but you know, if you've got. Uh, you know, Goddard one side, Jarvis the other side, or Tarpey or you know, whoever we've got out there. A lot of our players didn't have this natural pace, so it's just re- it's been really exciting. I think in the last few games, one of the best bits of it has been that we've had players. You know, even Ashford has been playing out there a little bit, kind of in a 4-4-2 maybe, but he's been going a little bit wide. But he's got pace. nappa has got pace. Lowe's got pace, and you know, you can just see teams just back off us. Whereas I think there was that period, probably you know, into the January time, where teams just were like. Well, what are you going to do? <laughs> like, slowly make your way up the pitch. Well, you know, we'll just... It's fine. We can deal with that. Whereas now, yeah, there's this raw pace and it really feels like at times, especially Loza has been turning defenders inside out. They don't know what to do. Um, obviously, Tim Flowers made a comment of, uh, you know, how to how to defend against him. Just don't let him cut in and shoot. And it's like, well, okay, but... You know, he's, he's well, a good player. Tim Flowers so. is
0: t- t- Tim Fowles is no longer employed, so I think we'll see what value <laughs> that opinion holds.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's and he does have a left foot too, so it's uh, it's it's all good fun. But it's it just shows, like you know, when a player is 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 you know got a bit of pay, two footed. Uh, I mean, he's been taking players on for fun as well. I mean, loads of even got the assisted. He the, the first goal against King's Lynn, which uh, Ashford headed in, and I, I guess the, the that kind of thing was was funny really because I think. That was it was a well taken goal by Astrid, but you see, I guess you, you maybe look at someone like John T. Smith and think, if you'd have been stood there on the edge of the six yard box and of put that ball in, you probably would have scored that. But you know,
0: would you, you have like, got into that position?
1: Yeah, and that's the big thing, isn't it? And it's just, you know, the the ball finds you on you know on the pitch, you create your own luck kind of thing, don't you? So it, you know, it does make sense there, but yeah, Ashford's certainly been good since since he's come in. So it's, uh, but it's again, if if Lose is putting those kind of balls in, you need somebody putting in the back of the net, and uh, we weren't creating chances earlier in the season, and now we are, and and he's a a really key part of that. So it's, uh, yeah, d- definitely an exciting one.
0: Let's, uh, you you mentioned Ashford a couple of times there. Let's have a quick chat about the two new signings which I think certainly caught me by surprise um but a pleasant surprise definitely to to have um some some strengthening up front I think you know obviously much needed despite the fact that the results have started to turn around slightly and even before those those two arrived I know I think we were talking casually um when that announcement was made I know you were a little bit unsure about about them and uh, you know I'm always try and be optimistic about these sort of things but I can certainly see where you were coming from you know two players that have had plenty of success at lower levels um but have have not really had much in the way of um you know good goal scoring runs or anything either in the conference or above I know Ashford's obviously on loan from Crawley where I think he's he's had limited chances due to kind of form of fitness um Nico um previously with Hartley, Paul, but but now playing for for Hampton, obviously in Conference South, and you know I think maybe six seven goals there, something like that this season, not not kind of blowing people away, um, so yeah, interesting signings but but effective potentially and what we needed at this moment. What have you thought of them both so far?
1: Yeah, I, I mean I think yeah the one thing after the Ulster game wasn't it was it, we I and mean, we played against ten men for that's 60 minutes of the game and we just didn't do anything really going forwards. And we did have some good opportunities and, and Smith obviously had one of those and it you know, it was a really good opportunity and he didn't put it away. And he thought then like, well, what are we going to do now for the, you know, the rest of the the season? You know, are we going to continue with where them up front? You know, it's, it's a pretty big task for a, you know, 17 year old academy graduate to, to do that all by himself. Um, you know, what are we going to do? So I think something definitely needed to happen. So it was good to see them, come in um yeah and both have had kind of really strange careers i guess in a sense um where you know they you know they've kind of jumped around clubs at different levels and um you know for example like no one's played loads of games in National league level and got a good goal return or something. But again, if they had, they probably wouldn't be coming to us on loan, I guess. So, you know, you've kind of got to work that out and you just judge it, I guess, how it goes. And I think the best thing, really, I mean, I mean Ashford's been really impressive, I think, out of the two of them. But I think the most, you know, noticeable thing is that they've worked quite well together and mm-hmm. they just offer us so much more. And I've, that's the thing is, I think now you look at the fences, looking at them two being like, well, okay, you know, Muir's got a bit of strength here and Ashford's actually quite fast. So, we've got that. And then once you get past that, you've got, you know, the losers and, and players like that where they're like, oh my God, we've also got to then, it just frees those players up, even Kretschmer and, you know, players like that that like to get into space. So again, it brings them into the game more, whereas I think you know, earlier in the season, even when we had Davison, who was who was obviously incredible for for a time, towards the end of his spell, teams I think found it quite easy to defend against us because they're like, well, if you mark Davison out of the game, centre forward, you've got two wide players probably with no pace, so whatever, um, that's it you've you stopped woking, There you go. Congratulations. Whereas now it feels like this there's, there's so much attacking threat on the field. You know, I don't think that even even a player like Muir, like, I don't think we need him to score, you know, 10 goals between now and the end of the season. But I just think he offers us a presence up there that we've just not had for quite a long time actually. And and that's really good to see because then it just frees up the other players to, to do their work and um yeah and, and bring them into play which uh which is yeah which is exactly what we need.
0: Yes, I absolutely agree. I think I think we'll look back on these as two really really shrewd signings come the end of the season. Um, honestly, I honestly think they could really make a big difference to us and, and potentially be the difference between us. looking down the table and you know worrying potentially about well, where's, where's Weymouth, where's Kingsley and, or, or do we have to worry about relegation, what's going on with that? Um, and actually now we're, I think we'll finish the year. Looking up the table towards a, a sort of comfortable mid-table finish, personally, I, I think Ashford looks a, a really exciting player. I can see why you know Crawley took a took a chance on him. Um, I can see why he scored sort of quite a few goals in the league below. Um, and I think, as you say, the fact that he's he can he can play out wide, he can play through the middle. Um, it, it it just offers something a bit different. I've, I've noticed that he makes some really, really good runs as well and, not, and obviously one of those ended up bringing the the first goal against Kingsley and I think, you know, I don't know what his, I know he's on a, a two-year contract with Crawley and, and and will be with them potentially next season, but, um, you know, I, I would certainly even, uh, having only seen him for a couple of games, I, I would not be disappointed to see him back next year if, if he were to be available again or if, if Crawley were to, to look to move him on, Nikem um, were um, obviously you know perhaps a, a, a slightly less uh, sort of exciting player to watch, but I think again potentially just what we needed in someone with a little bit of presence that can hold the ball up. I've certainly seen some nice touches with his back to goal, um, you know, holding off defenders and things. I guess you know just a shame that that Josh Davidson is no longer here because. You have to think that he would be a lot more effective in this team with, with Ashford and Loza up there with him than he was, you know, t- towards the end of his loan spell, as you say, when he was starting to struggle. Um, and I think it just feels like a lot more sort of fluid team moving forward now as well because you, you've got Ashford that's kind of favoring maybe the, the right hand side, but will will drift into the middle. Kretschmar, who can can push up into a 10, can can drift onto the, out, out wide, or also can drop back into kind of a midfield three with Keeper and Ferdinand. Uh, it, it just feels it feels much more effective, much more exciting and much more unpredictable, I think, crucially. And then, you know, if you've looked at the bench the last couple of games as well, whereas before, I think I was looking at the bench, you know, a couple of months ago, and thinking, well, there's nothing there that's going to change the game. Um, whereas actually now you're bringing on the, you know, the pace, the energy um, of Jaden Wareham, uh, and no surprise, I think to see him make a big impact against Kingsland when they were tiring. Um, you, you you bring on the pace and the trickery of Malachi Napa. Um, you know, who will probably feel quite hard done by to not be starting, but you know, obviously another another good option off the bench, and I wonder even. If you know, if we'll even see slightly more from Matt Jarvis um, now that you know the pressure pressure won't be on him so much, the the defenders will be you know worrying about those those quick attacking players, and and we won't it, the, the tactic won't be all just give it to Jarvis and hope he can put a decent ball into the box because that's kind of our only tactic. Um, might might free him up a little bit more, and, and we might see the best of him. I don't know, um, but yeah, I think you know considering. It's only really been sort of seven, ten days since they arrived. Um, what what a great start for both of them.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. so. And you're right about the you know the the options coming off the bench as well. That's so it's such a big impact in games, um, which is important as well, especially with pace. I think when, when teams are tiring, and I guess a good thing as well. Both the players that have come in on on loan are also relatively fresh. Um, Because they've either not been playing for their first teams, I think in Ashford's case, or or Moor, obviously, the the Conference South season ended a few weeks ago. So, um, yeah, so I think that that's that's key as well, because I think with so many games taking place, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday... Um, you know, maybe even more than that. At some point, if, if teams are playing catch up, that's going to be really important. I think to to have that freshness, um, yeah, and, and see us forward. So it's no, it's good. And I think that's the one thing. I guess we've always said about douse as well is when he sees as a problem, he doesn't. Um, he acts on it and tries to fix it, which is um, which is exactly what we need, um, and uh, it's good. And I, that I didn't know if that was going to be the case when obviously there was no relegation, and you know we were maybe looking at putting players on furlough. Like, why would you bring players in on loan? But I think it was it was necessary to do so. And looking at the results since, I think it was um, it looks like it was the right thing to do.
0: Absolutely, um, I guess the the victim of of those those new signings and and. The man who feels slightly like the odd one out now is is John T. Smith. I know we mentioned him a little bit earlier. That missed chances. Um, he's, he's struggled, hasn't he? And you, you wonder if it's if it's a fitness thing, whether you know it's a confidence thing, or or, or whether this this simply isn't his level. Um, you know there must be something there because otherwise, you know, teams like Oxford and Cheltenham wouldn't have taken a chance on him. Um, he has he has scored plenty of goals at at, at lower levels, kind of similar to, to Ashford and Muir. Um, but it, it it just doesn't feel like it's working out at the moment, and and those two coming in really isn't going to help his cause.
1: Yeah, I mean it's 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 been, you know, I think we could all see why why we signed him. It, you know, he had a good a good record, and but it was you know it was difficult coming back from from that injury spell that he had. Um, you know into into a, you know a strange season as it was anyway and, and with no pre-season or anything um and that's surely that's been difficult i mean it wouldn't surprise me if you know he leaves the club obviously at the end of the season you know maybe even before um you know and, and pops up somewhere next season and is a relatively good player and maybe we see him play against us at some point but it's just it's just not worked for him um and you know i don't think I don't think you can just continue to play him hoping he comes good. And some people have kind of suggested that's the, you know, you give him a chance, give him a chance, give him a chance. But it's like, well, you know, he missed a really good chance, you know, late in the Torquay game, um, you know, and that could have cost us if, if that goal had been offside for them at the end. And and obviously the ultrading game, you know, the, the shot, I just felt like it had been... Um, harder to, to miss it almost, um, but, but he did. And, it you know, it, that can turn the game because I think within a few minutes we were 1-0 down then. Um, you know, we could have been 1-0 up. And I think when it hinges on stuff like that, you know, how long do you keep playing someone um, that's, you know, just... And, you know, I think he will come come good probably, but I, I doubt it will be with us. Um, and I I doubt it will be this season, but it wouldn't surprise me if we see his name, you know, bouncing around like we have other players that, you know, have you know, been around non-league for years and years and, and made a career out of it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, looking ahead then to next season, I know one of the topics that's that's been a popular one on, on sport over the last couple of weeks is who you would keep for next season. Obviously, we've already touched on the fact that that Musa Diara and, and most likely Jamal Loza will be on that retain list, having signed 18-month um, contracts uh, and with an option in, in Lowes' case, which I, I have to assume will be taken up certainly uh, after the last few games. Um, but who else would be on your initial retained list for next season?
1: Yeah, I, I think that the one thing that I probably want to see us do in, in the summer is not just re-sign everyone we can just to have a have a base which we've kind of done in recent years which has probably made sense i think probably based on the budgets that we've had um but you know i think if we're looking to actually progress you know this year then um or next season then um I, you know I, I don't think that's uh is typically the, the, the best way to go about it but uh, yeah there's some, some players in there i think as you said earlier that you know the back five have been really impressive um i don't i don't think we're going to keep any of the loan players um, you know, because typically that's that's not really how it happens unless they're released, you know, by their parent club. So um, you know, Lofthouse isn't one that will be in there. But I think, you know, Jack Cook, Casey, obviously, uh Gehring and Diara um are there and and Craig Ross as well. Um so I think that you know you've got some 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 good defenders in there. I think I would, would probably keep hold of Kane Ferdinand. I think he looks better in better woking sides. Um I feel like when we've had poor woking teams in the past. Um, he's not kind of been the guy that stands up and, um, you know, drives the team forward on his own. But I think when you have good players around him, he's, he's good. Uh, Kretschmar, again, I, I, I'm a really big fan of his. I think he really improves the team um, and can play multiple positions, which I think is is decent. it will be good to see him, I think, you know, if he goes full-time and just see how much he can progress there. Um, and then I think outside of that, I mean, yeah, I think you've got Wareham and Loza i think there are the there are the other two i think that i would name so i i think that it's yeah it's quite uh dominated by the by the defence and, and the back line. but you know that's because we we've been we've been so successful with with those players in in recent years i think we'll have to add obviously to that um it, you know even in the defensive areas i don't think that we'll just have those players and you know that's going to be it i think we we'll, we will need to um add there and some of those players might become, you know, squad players or, or not play every single week. But um yeah, I think I, I would rather that and then have that as a basis to to build on going forward. I, I don't think there's anyone really kind of looking at it that that I've not mentioned that I would would keep. Um, you know, the players like Tarpe is obviously having issues with the COVID and work, but you know, I, I don't think he's he's kind of set the world alike when he has played Jarvis You know, it might be that he retires at the end of the season. Even if not, I don't think it'd be really worthwhile keeping him on. Collier, again, a loyal servant. But, you know, I don't think if the the plan is to progress the club to one that wants to be challenging at the top end of the table, you would really want to have, you know, him in there. um, You know, block and players like that. I just, you know, they've just, I don't think they've proven themselves this season. I'd add Goddard to that as well. Um, you know again injury prone you know heading in the wrong direction I think for what we really want to do as a club um, so I think yeah it, it seems exciting I think if we can kind of get that um, you know initial base of a team there um, and again I think that my, my only worry on top of that is that we sign players because they're available and they played for us this season and why the hell not and I, I think that can be dangerous because then you have a massive squad Um and, uh, you know, full of players that maybe won't be playing very much. And when they do, they they don't typically add value. And, and you can look at that around the Christmas time. It kind of felt like we rushed a few players in, squad players in, in really important games, like we shot and paid the price for it. And then you look back and go, but well, that probably wasn't the best thing to do. And if we want to progress, you know, I just don't think that can be the case.
0: It's, uh, yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm predominantly in, in, in agreement as... Um... There's one that I had on my list to keep, which you've not mentioned. And there's two which you had on yours, which I didn't have on mine. Um, so maybe if we, we just touch on each of those. Um, the first one I, the one that I had to keep was would be Charlie Cooper. Um, I don't know what you you reckon to that. Um, I think he he's obviously come to us from a team that was a, a National League playoff side last season. Um, he's got a little bit of experience at a higher level. He's actually deceptively young. I think he he only turns 24 in May. Um, while he you know he might look a, a bit more seasoned, um, he, he is still a, a relatively young. And I think you know I think he's at nine assists this season. Obviously, predominantly from from free kicks and corners, but you know that set piece delivery is is so crucial to, to the way we play and, and to the threat that we carry. And I think I saw an interview with the, the Boreham Wood manager after the game on Tuesday, and he said that his team spent 90 minutes training just on defending set pieces in the build-up to the Woking game because he was so concerned about the threat that, that Goering and Diara carried. And, and obviously, Cooper is a, is a big part of that because you can have all the, the six-foot-five Centre halves that you want, but if the delivery is not good enough, then you're not going to score many goals. And, and not just that, you know, I think he's he's offered plenty in, in midfield this season. Maybe his his influence has, has waned slightly from from where it was at the start of the season. But you know, I think that can be attributed to the poor run from the team overall, um, and just the fact that you know he is playing week in week out. There's there's very little flexibility in that midfield, unfortunately, and if, if Cooper or Ferdinand aren't available, then, then we, we tend to start to struggle. Um, so I would I would definitely have Cooper on, on my list. I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think they're, they're good points. I think the one thing that stands out for me, and that's where I think we probably do need to be careful, is I think that the midfield has really struggled, I'd say, in the second half of the season. I'm just aware, you know, if you've got Ferdinand back and if you've got, well, maybe it's that you don't bring Ferdinand back. But, um, you know, if you start going, well, Ferdinand Cooper and, you know, and, well, maybe if Dempsey's free next season, we could <laughs> maybe, or if he gets released by Chant, which I'm probably sure he will do, then, you know, maybe we could sign. And then it, you start to get kind of groups like that. And it's like, oh, we've got the same midfield. And I guess that's a problem. But no, you're right, actually. I think his his deliveries have been incredible. And um, I well, guess I was- it's just that...
0: I will say as well that one of the two that I didn't have on my list was Kane Ferdinand and I think, you know, he he's had many good games for Woking, arguably he's even had good seasons for Woking and I think if you'd talked to me in November, he'd have been one of the first names on this list that we were talking about because he was in that really good run, wasn't he, remember... The, the the goal against Barnet really stands out. He's still our top league goalscorer this season somehow, um, but I he's been there a long time now. You know, longest-serving player. He he just he tends to go missing. I feel just when you you really feel like you need him to step up and feel like we've had a lot of patience with him waiting for that player that played you know championship League one football for those you know several years to to really emerge and come back and and while he's shown flashes of it maybe even a few game streak of it it then sort of settles back down into the kind of six out of ten rhythm he, he's very rarely poor um, but like you say I think if we if we truly have ambitions of pushing on, Maybe it's time to to look in other uh, other directions. And as you say, the midfield has struggled at, at times, particularly in the, this this second half of the season. And I think if there was there was one, I was definitely going to keep out of uh, out of Bipper, Ferdinand and, and Dempsey. It, it would definitely be Cooper, if for no other reason than the fact that he's got all his assists this season.
1: Yeah, th- yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it would be interesting to see as well. You know, if there is a stronger midfield around it, then around him, then just seeing how that benefits him and how his role changes. Um, so no know that that, yeah, that would be. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it, it is. Uh, yeah, it's, it is. It is a, a trickle. I just think that with Kane, because of the service he's given to the club and those years, and I don't think that should really matter or count. Um, but i do just think that'd be one of the things that that they did look into it it is interesting i think it was when we were talking about him before is so many woke managers have kind of brought into him which is interesting um mm. you know for for a, you know it, any player i think that, that that's really impressive so um yeah i think if you're given the choice to have one i would take cooper based on based on the stuff you said and um yeah it'd be, it'd be interesting i think to to have both of them but again it you know if you're going to play a three in midfield then who you know, you're gonna to have to sign one other, you know, pretty good player probably to really improve where we've been at this season. Mm-hmm. Um, in there, so yeah, it, it, that'd be it'd be yeah, in, interesting to see what they go for there.
0: And then the other one that I was on the fence about um, was Ben Gehring. Um I think you know he's made he's made a tremendous difference since he's he's come back from injury and from. From his loan spell, I think you know over the Christmas period when he was suspended, we really missed him. Definitely, one of the better defenders that we've we've had in in Douse's time at the club, and you know probably even even looking back longer than that, you know I think he's he's a real fan favourite, isn't he? And he's he's definitely made Woking kind of his 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 second home. So it it would be a bit of a wrench to see him go, but. I'm thinking, you know, is the the step up to full-time and the expectation of, of training every day going to be too much for him being based um, down in Torquay? Um, I'm, I'm also looking at his disciplinary record. I think I'm right in saying that he's going to be suspended on Saturday because he's already managed to get five yellow cards in eight games. Um, and then I'm, I'm also wondering if we need a little bit more pace at the back and whether, you know, Goering and Diara, who will both be, north of 30 next season weather could do with a little bit of freshening up but you know as we as we talked about on this podcast the, the defense has been um, you know definitely one of the, the positive spots for Waken in this season and, and particularly since since those two have been
1: reunited so perhaps you know the grass isn't always greener yeah any anybody... Yeah, I think he does have some some good qualities as well, I think, in terms of that. Well, I don't know if I'd say leadership, uh, but he just seems a good person to have in the group in terms of morale and, and those things. And it, and it might be worth it. It'd be a real shame for him, actually, if one of the reasons that he doesn't do it is because of that travel and, and that commute. Because, um, you know, I think he'd really want to be a part of the journey of, of having a go at it. But again, it's, it's like, um, I think that what we, we need next season is a, is a squad with some depth. And when we say depth, it's not, oh, well, you know, we've got this player you know, where if so-and-so gets suspended, we've got this guy that played a few times in the conference South for us. And, and, you know, he can kind of come in or, or whatever, or we've got, you know, a youth player. It's like some real quality. So if you say, and this happened again over Christmas, because Gary was suspended then as well, which backs up your point, I guess, but you know, oh well, Gary's suspended and, um, you know, we, we need someone to come in, and it's like, oh, you know, well, we've got someone else who's national league standard, like easy. They can just rotate it and rotate it out, and then I don't think we're stuck with, you know, playing the same, you know, the same players all, all the time. Um, and I think that's a that's a real benefit because you'd be really lucky to go a full season without having suspensions, injuries, players losing form, you know, all of these things. And um, you know, but again, as you say, would he want to be a squad player? Um, I don't know. That that would be the really, and that would be really difficult for the management team. Actually, probably maybe is trying to keep players happy. I think if we're if we're looking at bringing other players in, but um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see how they go with it. But I would be disappointed, I think, if if he left, um, just because he's he's yeah he's. Uh, I think in in modern football, there doesn't seem to be many kind of I don't know kind of especially. I guess if you watch a lot of Premier League football, but that kind of. Um, you know, character and uh, kind of leader type player. It does seem to kind of be diminishing a little bit in terms of the, you know, players that are just good at football. So it doesn't really matter. And hmm. um, I don't know, I, I, he, I, that's what I kind of always liked about Gareth.
0: Yeah, he, he's one I'd definitely, I'd, ha- I'd, ha- I'd happily have him, as you say, in the squad and around the group. Um, but I, I, I guess, you know, is he going to want to do all that travelling just to sit on the bench or in the stands? I think, you know, one thing I'd definitely be looking to do would be to, to, to move Jack Cook back to centre-back and, and probably have him as as kind of the first um, rotation or, or the, the, the guy on the bench who is who, quite versatile and can cover a few different positions. I'd be looking to get in a natural National League standard right-back. Um, you know, perhaps that's Kieran Lofthouse, as you say, probably not. But, you know, there, there must be someone out there who can actually play right back. I don't think in coming on three years, Dallas has actually signed a proper right back that is any good. Um, we've just had a centre-back doing a very good job of playing out of position. Um, so I'd quite like to see, you know, and I think in the first sort of three, four months of the season, Cook proved that he he is a very good National League standard centre-back. Um, so I'd definitely be looking to have him you know pushing a pairing of of Diarra plus 1 is 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 Garing good enough to be that one i don't know um he's certainly not going to want to be fourth choice um so I, I guess that's the only reason i'm i'm on the fence with him but as you say um there's definitely a lot of good qualities that he's got um i wouldn't be disappointed to see him back
1: it's hard as well isn't it i think and we when we looked at this at when we had kind of had a the back four earlier in the season when i think Shotton was playing and it, we kind of felt like we had a, a settled back four, which we felt so nice because we've not always had that. And that has been our Achilles heel, especially looking at not even, you know, this set of players under douse, but, you know, under other management teams, you know, within the last decade or so, you know, you we've kind of chopped and changed at the back and we've really struggled to find those players. And season on season, I think it was like we'd have a completely different centre-back pairing. And, um, you know, it, it, I think it took so long to get it together. And I think that's the one thing is with that looking so settled, it's like you at least want to have it as an option probably don't you i think going into next season and if you have to loan gearing out to a, a gloucester city i know he loves them because he always tweets about them and, and uh it's obviously close to him anyway um or closer it's it's not that close um then uh then yeah i get you know you could do that and, and having those options isn't isn't an issue i I don't think, and I think that's, you know, where the squad can be used in, in a good, um, in a good sense is, you know, if we've got players and we loan them to the conference South, that's fine. I think what we did this season, and obviously it was exceptional circumstances because of where we found ourselves, but there was a lot of players signed who I think the management team thought would just never play for us. Um, and there was kind of a lot of fanfare about players that have never even been close to the Woking team and never will be. Um, that will probably be a part of a pub quiz in years to come about, um, you know, players that did or didn't play for Woking and, and what, once on the bench for one game or something and and they had dual registered and I don't think that's the way forward but I think if you've got players that, that, are, that are good and he showed it I guess didn't he this season Gary when he went on loan to um, Oxford it wasn't because he was you know out of form it was because he was injured and, and coming back from that but showed how beneficial. And they he was very compare. highly of them as well didn't they? Mm. Yeah exactly so it's always an option and if you loaned him out and had a recall clause and you know and all of a sudden we did need him because someone got injured or whatever then you know, he could bring him back so yeah it's just about having those options isn't it I think and I don't think we always have done but that's because we've relied so heavily on the loan market and just like patching things together whereas if we you know we are saying you know well we've got an okay budget this season you know probably to the similar size well you know I I think when Dallas was talking about one of his catch-ups he said it you know similar to you know the Bromley's of the world or stuff like that well you know they always strike me as a team that has quite a lot of strength in depth and um you know they they're not um you know they're not struggling for players um and and they've got a lot of of decent ones on their roster so uh it'd be nice and that's what it's just something nice to look forward to i think isn't it is um i just we're so used to i think having our teams broken up at the end of every season and then us having to do it all over again on a shoestring and it's it's nice to have that Um, to look forward to I think and thinking yeah we've got this and it's actually not that bad how can we then build on it to become even stronger which is something that we don't and also actually to point earlier about Loza he would be playing in League 2 probably if he could finish if he finished all of his chances which is just a fantasy thing but um, you know I think also you look at that and think well maybe if this was a regular season where we didn't have this increased budget next season or players on 18 month deals already you know would people would clubs be coming into Loza at the end of the season trying to sign him on a free being like you know, we'll pay you X, Y, and Z. You'll be full-time at Woken. You would have been part-time. Um, and I think that that's, that's 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 good and exciting as well because you're not... Well, it doesn't feel like we're going to have to just sell players, but um, which is what we did. You know, that was one of the reasons that we got relegated back in the day is we found some gems. <laughs> I'm not putting loads in, in, in Joe Ward's category or, you know, Effie Ong and players like that. But, you know, as soon as we found them, it was just like, oh, they're off already because... they're quite good and uh, we can't afford to keep them and you know they don't want to be here so it's uh be nice to actually build something with some with some substance
0: yeah absolutely um but as we move then towards uh towards close for the evening um one of the last things that we've got to talk about the new kits um the the two options the 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 puma which one did you prefer
1: um i quite like both of them actually to be fair which was uh which was which was good and i think a lot of people kind of commenting on the on the things did which was which was nice to see i i actually preferred the uh the puma one but uh, i i voted for the adidas one which seemed like a stupid thing to do but um uh, i i really like the quality of the, the adidas kits and um and the, and the way they look and um you know the the rest of the merchandise that they do along with that which is um which is Adidas is is always really good and, and obviously that would mean we get a an Adidas away kit as well and they are typically quite good um for for yeah you know, a lot of the teams that, that Adidas cover. So I thought that would be quite exciting. But uh yeah it's nice nice to have the choice. Nice to have some proper, proper proper brands. I know that the ones we've got with Macron and those ones are, but they always just feel relatively low quality and and, and it's that you know they provide a cheaper cost. So um yeah it's, it's exciting. But which one did you go for?
0: Yeah, I went for Adidas as well. Um, I, I had no issue really with the Puma kit. Um, obviously, kept it kept it quite traditional. I know a, a few people didn't really like the the white back, and I think, particularly without kind of a name and, and number as a as a fan bought shirt, that would look a little bit odd. Um, with just the the complete plain white, um, yeah, the the Adidas one just struck me as a, as something a little bit different. I thought you know it might put people off because. There's a lot of our fan base do like us to to stick with the, the very traditional look, but um, it, it just appealed as something a little bit more original. Um, and as you say, I think the idea of having a, a wider range of, of Woking Adidas gear was quite appealing. And, and as someone that owns quite a lot of Woking shirts and things, I think I'd be more likely to, to buy Adidas kit um, than I would be to... And buy another load of a load of pymer stuff to go with the all the macron stuff that I've got sitting in the bottom of a cupboard somewhere
1: yeah it's uh yeah no it's, it's yes yeah, it's, it's it's good you know it's I think this is one of the things that we looked at when, you know, we were talking about John Katz coming in and, and I know well, I did an article on it, on everything Woking FC as well, that was, you know, how, you know, because people kind of, it's, oh, he's invested money, is he? So how much is he bringing in? And we're just going to, everything's going to stay the same, but he's just going to give us a massive budget to buy players with. But I think stuff like this is is clever and it just shows that we're moving in the, in the right direction, I think. And it's good fan engagement. I think having fans involved, even though you know they might argue some argued that they weren't involved with the the, the you know the the changing of the badge and and stuff like that. But I think with, with the kit, you know, it's not just the design you're choosing. It's, you know, the actual provider and stuff like that. I think it's, it's great to have the fans involved because ultimately they'll be the ones that are paying what (laughs) north of 50 pounds normally for a football shirt, especially if it's, you know, Adidas or whatever, which is an unfortunate reality of the, of the modern world. But, you know, if, if they're the ones that are, that are, that are uh, going to be buying it, then uh, yeah, let them choose it because if they all love it, then, uh, you'll sell more of them and that's that's brilliant for everyone and it's good to good to see stuff like that um i think being done i think it's not something we've really really embraced before or really paid much attention to we've just had a kit to play and i don't think it much more has been thought of it than we will wear this for a I season think sometimes <laughs> even that
0: was a challenge wasn't it i think i remember the was it the Limbrick season where we didn't get our new kit until about November, and then we didn't have a sponsor, and then they did an auction for that, and then it was David Taylor's company, and everyone hated the fact that that happened, and it was all very, very odd. So the fact that actually they're being quite progressive and forward-thinking and talking about this in March, um, when you know the reality of this is that kits clearly take a very long time to sort out and order, and sort of you know a, a lot more goes into it than than what fans probably see or expect. Um, you know, quite exciting that, you know, we're, we're looking at ultimately two very good options from, uh, you know, global sports providers who I'm sure will, will both do a good job. Um, and as you say, another, you know, string to, to John Katz's bow. Um, I know the, the first step on the rebrand with the, the badge and everything uh, ruffled a few feathers, but I think people seem to be starting to come around to that. Um, and, and then the kits, you know, I haven't seen, seen too many complaints um, either way, really, which is in, encouraging. And as you say, it, it gets you excited and, and makes you think, well, you know, what other ideas have John and, and, and his people got and, and what other changes are we going to see that, that will help us, you know, take that next step along with improving things on the pitch?
1: It massively, and it's, it, it is a real waste. I think that's been the problem in, in the past, where I think where, you know, I've been to fans forums, you know, years ago now at the club where people have said, you know, really good suggestions, I think, about why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? And just, that you know, the response is, we're volunteers, we don't have any money, we don't just, we just have the capability to do it so we just don't do it and um which is you know understandable and, and i think it you know it makes sense for a part-time you know club that doesn't pay people that work there which is which is which is one thing but you know some uh, when you go to and we mentioned it again in another article i did where you know i used american sport as an example but if you go to something like that like it's really really easy to buy merchandise it's you know it's you know, it's easy to buy food. It's easy to buy drink. It's everything's accessible, and everything is what you know what people want. And that's the same thing with you know the you know the shirts and, and stuff like that. If it's a good shirt and people want it, that's great. And I think that the next area that I'll be moving into is you know the accessibility of that stuff because you know again that the shop isn't much at the moment. It's a porter cabin that if you want to go into it on a match day, it's really really difficult to get into it because it's so small and you have to queue and these things. And and I'd expect to see kind of more you know forward thinking around that stuff as well and just looking how we can. Uh, uh, yeah get fan stuff because I think there is a willing supporter base and you've told that from the you know the people talking about not just the shirt but the other adidas stuff for example you know there's a lot of people that would pay money for that so you know as long as you can get it to them and, and take their money then uh everyone's a winner really because it all goes back into the club and um yeah and, and that's that's brilliant for everyone involved and then hopefully we can start to you know really generate some money off of it which uh yeah is is uh yeah really good to see
0: Definitely. Um, and just finally, I've given you the whole podcast to have a think about this because we talked about it briefly at the beginning and you didn't, you, you, you can think of one, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if you've uh, changed your mind. So I was thinking ahead to um, the Saturday and obviously our opponents this weekend are Yeovil. Um, and last time that we we're at Yeovil, uh, 3-1 defeat. Only memorable, really for Ibrahim Meite's stunning consolation goal. Um, and it, it made me think about um, you know, other instances of f- great but forgettable goals. So great goals, but in games that either didn't matter or, or where the result was already um, so well determined that, that the goal was just not important. Um, have you come up with anything since last we spoke about this?
1: <laughs> you make this sound like this was like a long time ago, where I've I've had time to go away and research things. The only thing I can remember actually is because um, I know one of your ones, and it was a, it, it we didn't lose, but it was a it was a was it a trophy game? Or I mean, you can go through that in a second. But I think it was a cup game, which didn't really matter. Um, and I think there was a similar one. I, I feel like John Goddard possibly scored a screamer against Oxford City at home. In a trophy replay, and I think we won that game, but it was one of those games where I feel like it was in front of about seven hundred people, <laughs> and it was freezing cold, and it was just a bit like we didn't really care about the competition, and I, f- I feel like that happened. But um, people could there must be a whole
0: a whole range of Surrey Senior Cup goals that True. nobody saw that were, you know, I'm thinking back probably a few years to when we routinely were winning sort of double figures in that competition. I'm sure there were some great goals, but only about 50 people were in the ground to actually see it. Um, um, the, uh, the two that I had um, were Joey Jones against Forest Green. I, I have a feeling that that was like, a high-scoring draw in the league. You may know better than me. I know you, you've done a lot more away days than I have. Um, and then the cup one that, that you referenced there was, was Chris Arthur, who I think was the, the final scorer in a 6-1 win over Maidenhead, which, which was either a, a, an FA Cup or a, a trophy game. And, and yeah, I think you might be right with the, the Oxford City one as well. Um, but yeah, um, uh, interested to know, I guess, if, if anyone else can, can think of any, because um, yeah, that, that Maytay goal will, will probably... Not not be remembered by many people, um, certainly in a, in a few years um, when it's it's not so recent. But it was a super strike and a highlight of a, a fairly forgettable loan spell for him at the club.
1: I think that the the issue with the Joey Jones ones at, at Forest Green is that we lost that game, but um, at that stage of the game we were like very much in the game, and I can't remember if that was the equaliser or that was us to go like to get the goal back to be two one or something. But we were in that game for like. So many, it was a high scoring game. I remember that much, but every time we kind of clawed our way back into it, they just went and scored again and, and we ended up losing, I think. But um, yeah, it was a, it, it was, it was a frustrating game, but an, an incredible goal. Um, I was stood, stood, stood behind it and it was difficult actually, I think, because obviously the fans were behind the goal on the terrace. And I know that kind of when he did it, maybe it's because no one was really paying much attention. It kind of felt like he, in my mind, it, it kind of remembered him not being that far out. Like he was definitely outside the box, but it didn't seem like he was as far as he was out. Because I guess otherwise, would you? Sh- why would you shoot? But um yeah, certainly a, a, a ridiculous goal. So, um, but I can actually give you an update on mine because I was googling it. whilst you were you were speaking? And it won January Goal of the Month in 2015. Uh so there you go. Um that's obviously really exciting. Um so it it's not for, it wasn't forgotten that month, but maybe I think going into the future people weren't there to see it and uh and probably don't talk about it that often. Mm,
0: definitely. Well, I think on that note you can you can let us know all your thoughts on what we've spoken about today, who you would keep hold of for next season, what you think of the new kits. Uh, And any great goals in forgettable games. uh, And you can let us know on Twitter. Jacob, where can they find you?
1: Uh, At Uh, Everything WSC or at Greenwood 91
0: uh, And you can find me at glennh1292. But until next time, thank you very much for listening. And we will see you soon.